You are listening to Believe, Strive, Achieve, Endurance Podcast with Diogo Custodio. If this is your first time listening, then thanks so much for coming. Get ready and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Believe, Strive, Achieve, Endurance Podcast. My name is Diogo. In today's episode, we are recovering the coaches on the couch where we spoke about how can we run faster off the bike. This one was made um, by Coach Philip. Coach Alan and myself. I hope you guys enjoy it. Have fun. Excellent. Right. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to tonight's Coaches on the Couch, where today we're going to be talking all about how do you run faster off the bike. Um, so this evening, I'm delighted to have uh, as our normal expert panelist, Alan Ward, so Coach Alan, uh, and then we've also got Diego as well, who's joining us all the way from Portugal. Um, and uh, he usually coach, uh, coaches, usually hosts the podcast as well. So you'll uh, you'd have heard him quite a few times. So um, yeah, this evening we're talking about running uh, fast off the bike. We've got a lot of experience in terms of uh, the coaches, both in the athletes they've got running off the bike, but then also themselves as well. So uh, I guess uh, let's just open up the, the first part of the questions to kind of I mean, oh, sounds obvious, but why do we even have to have the conversation around running faster off the bike? Why is it that people are struggling with that as a concept or a or a thing? I guess it's really simple. People want to get better and they want to go faster, and and some people's understanding that a triathlon is how your splits are. Maybe that's right. Maybe that's wrong. So uh, one of the goals. Sorry, Alan, I was just saying that one of the goals that uh, we do this, we try to go faster all the time. So it's not on the run, but also on the bike and the swim. Yeah. So I mean, look, looking into um, this, obviously, I guess running faster off the bike. Um, let's answer the question then. You know, how, how do people run faster off the bike? What's that process look like? Uh, Alan, do you want to kick us off? it's such a simple question i'm really i ju just go faster than you have before kind of i can't help that kind of thought um, and yeah. um but you know if uh if it if it was that simple we wouldn't be having this conversation um so i guess the question is not like how do you do it is is how do you get yourself into a position to do it like for obviously from a coaching point of view maybe you know what training what training are you going to do and and how, how are you going to execute your race in order to do that and um, uh, a part of it and then there's the kind of the how to do it in terms of how do I actually run um, I guess we could go into the the details of how you how do you get better or you know how do how do you run for starters like how, and how, how do you get better at running and then like how, how do you actually do it in the race i guess those are the three most simplistic components that make up actually uh, just getting on with running faster yeah i, I guess look, looking at it running faster with a bike is the icing on the cake isn't it i mean that's where we want to get to but there's a few steps before an athlete's going to be able to to get to the point where they're able to execute that race. And I think as, as coaches, we've all heard that 
either new athlete coming to us saying, you know, I, I can, I do fantastic bike legs and then I just don't really seem to have the legs on the run. I fail, you know, fail in the run and the same true with, uh, with athletes as well. I can see, <laughs> Alan, do you have a story there? You look like you're kind of shaking your head in optimism. No, it's my, my ears <laughs> repressurizing because I feel my ears are not there, but anyway, enough about my ENT issues. Uh, like kind of going on from what you were saying there, Philip, when you were talking about it, it was making me think about when you, when you first start, obviously um, a lot of athletes are concerned about getting through the swim. So you kind of got to be able to cover the swim distance. You've got to be able to cover the bike distance. You've got to be able to cover the run distance. And then, then it becomes a kind of you do your first race and it's what went well, what could be better, and you go back and you try and do the what could be betters and you try and you think about your training and do you know what and if you keep you keep following through that maybe you join a club maybe you get a training plan maybe you get a coach uh, and at some point depending on the individual's makeup it gets to well how do I run faster obviously somebody from a running background or somebody's rather handy at running that question probably wouldn't occur to them at an early stage but for somebody who struggles with running and um, then you know that that might occur at an earlier stage so I guess the reason why it might occur is because it's relatively weak compared to the others. So I guess Diego kind of picking up from that um, you know what what type of athletes would you see sort of how would you how could you categorize athletes uh, in terms of kind of that running ability and then turning that ability into into running off the bike is that one for me philip yeah yeah you, yeah how do you how do you kind of categorize those people There's, there seems to be a kind of a group of people some of whom as alan said are previous runners and they're able to run um and then how do you bring how, how do you deal with them differently how, what's the differences between the two and, and kind of the process of getting them running faster off the bike i think that the first thing is to to understand the person that uh, or the type of runner that you are of course some people are born to to run and even the technique that they have is it seems like it's natural for them and some others you can spend an entire year working the technique with them doing a lot of drills trying to do the best workout possible and they will not improve uh, that much um there is no magic formula for for anyone um we just need to understand what type of, of athlete we have ahead of us um once you understand that then we can try to find the best balance for them and try to bring the best out of them in terms of um of their running ability and their running ability can be running at a five minutes per k at their best shape ever or six minutes or four minutes or 330 we, we don't know but understanding the type of run runner that you have in front of you is, is one of the best or is one of the main things that you need to to do um i know alan that he's not the, the perfect runner he, i know he struggles quite a lot um but he's not a bad runner at the end of the day if we compare to some other athletes for example um but as we said before we all want to to be faster in all the segments and of course there is always one of the segments that we struggle the most even myself i'm not a, a good runner at all uh, i struggle quite a lot with the run However, if I compare myself to some other athletes, maybe I'm not that bad. Um, but of course, you always have to understand what you need to work on and what you can do in order to improve your best um, ability possible. So you mentioned there kind of natural runners and you've got fantastic technique or people working on drills all the time. I mean, 
how how important is is form and holding form for a for an athlete running off the bike if you if you can sustain the the best form possible on your run you're going to reduce the fatigue during the run so the less fatigue you are running the less time you get to to the finish line and of course you can run faster with that but this is not something that we can work from one day to the other this is something that we need to build up through the season or through many seasons um but of course if you can if you can have a very strong core for example if you have if you have some very strong muscle um segments for the run then of course everything will be much smooth and much 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 better um but of course that's something that you need to work with time with patience and you have to focus quite a lot on that so i mean Alan, uh, you you and I have been sat on the on the sidelines of events and uh, and watched athletes run by. Admittedly, it's easier usually to see in the long course events. Um, but is, is there is there an obvious tell in terms of form and kind of what happens as someone's racing? Especially, I mean, long course is the obvious one because it's easier to see in terms of the time and the it's a bit more obvious. I mean, it's it's an efficiency thing, so you know. I don't think it's actually really relative to running off the bike and breaking down, breaking down that much. I think, you know, off the, off the bike, fresh, if you're running forms, not that great. It's, it's not that great. Um, I think it's, it's a case of like, I think you've obviously got to, you know, Kevin's, Kevin's blog that's come out in terms of, you know, that running is a bit more technical than swimming and it's underappreciated. I think actually trying to get your head in into it, not necessarily in the detail in terms of people breaking down, but just the basic understanding that when you're, when you're running at any point, you're trying to deal with quite a lot of forces in many directions um, whilst hopping from, you know, one leg to the other it's kind of obvious that it's, it's blooming hard um, to, to maintain your, your posture, correct? I mean, even me stood at, stood at this standing desk, you know, I could stand up, but it's blooming hard work, you know, so I lean, lean on it. And then we're expecting ourselves to move through three-dimensional space whilst, whilst trying to exert hard effort and to maintain something that's, you know, that's very difficult to, to maintain with forces coming at us from one direction. It's kind of trying to hold yourself under that kind of pressure is really difficult. I mean, the, the most obvious example that we see as coaches and is to ask any athlete to go to, to, to do walking lunges. How, how many times have you guys been at the track doing drills in all of your time coaching and you've seen a whole lot, well, I'll, I'll go for one person rather than the whole line, but one athlete where you've gone, that's, that's pretty, those are pretty good lunges. How many times? Yeah, not many. Not many. How, how, you know, and it's the same for like when I've done screenings with, with athletes, you know, across, across the level, I, it's not often that I get athletes send me a video of them doing a single leg get up or a single leg knee bend and everything stays bob in line and they can just do it with no problems, with no wobbles of their foot, no deviation of the knee tracking, no wobbling from side to side of their upper body. It just doesn't happen. But that's what we're trying to do. We, you know, like I say, hopping from one leg to the other. 
So I think coming at it from that point of view is really important. But I almost like generally with the training for running, and I've had this conversation a few times with the athletes I work with recently. What what is sufficient? What, you're you're here now. What's going to be sufficient to lift it to there? It's the old adage if you know if you always do what you've always done. How, how, what's going to be stimulating here to get that improvement? So I think in terms of running faster off the bike, it's it's trying to work out what that stimulus. If you know if you want if there's there's kind of like getting faster at running, what's the stimulus to do that? There's a, there's another part of it, but I guess we'll get to that later. Yeah, so I guess that point around that um, ability to control that movement, that single leg get up, the single leg squat, the lunging, um, you know, th these are really obvious things when you when you think about it. I know we use, you know, you get, you're doing a video analysis and with a group of athletes, and you say, just stand on one leg. Some people can't even do that. Um, and then you, you go there and say, okay, well, now we're going to go do running 10K. You've already done an hour and a half or so of racing. Now you're going to be trying 10K flat out as, you know, as hard as you can, and you're expecting to be efficient and, and you know, fast and not have any loss of energy or effort. Um, but you can't even stand on one leg now in a room where you haven't done that. So clearly you're going to be losing some of that um, efficiency because you're, you know, you, you're wobbling around a bit. You're trying to stabilize. Um, I think, Alan, we spoke about this recently and we said, you know, it's, it's a bit like um, going and taking your bicycle and saying, right, OK, you're going to have, uh, you know, wobbly cranks and you're going to have a chain which is a bit loose and your tires aren't going to be pumped up. And clearly you're not going to go as fast um, as you would do if you had all those things ready to go. But the effort you put in is going to still be exactly the same. So I guess the first step to being able to to run fast before we start thinking about what's the best training session. Hey, Mo Farah, you know, he does this and uh, let's follow that session or whatever it might be. It's more about, hey, look, can you actually, are you actually an efficient runner? Are you, are you are there quick gains, low hanging fruits, which can be made just from improving your efficiency? Um, so you're not wasting as much effort um, when you're running. Uh, and I think with running, that's something which a lot of people uh, skip out and miss um, yeah. potentially because they're focusing on the session. It's, it's called conditioning and strength work. I never, I don't understand why it's called strength and conditioning. Maybe because it's to make it sound better because strength sounds better. But really, in a sort of sequential order, it should be conditioning and strength. Um, so, like, obviously, for different people, they're in a different condition. And I think as coaches, that, you know, in terms of the work that we do with age group athletes, it's thinking about their condition when they go to run is important. And I think that's a really big, before getting into any of the single neck knee bends and complicated, well, not complicated, but just, trying to analyze your own movement, thinking about working with, you know, specialists, you can just as a, in order to improve your training, you can think what condition am I in? Can I improve this before I go and do my session? And, it, and that is, that's it, that extrapolates really nicely to the other half of this conversation in terms of how to run fast off the bike, what condition are you in? And then obviously on top of that, if you're strong with good condition, conditioning and strength work, then you're probably quite likely to do quite well. But there's one, you can be as con well conditioned and as strong as you like, but does that necessarily mean you can run well? It's the same as if you're 
a very good example of that, that we know an athlete, he's a pro athlete, he's very, very strong, but his technique is terrible. And he did second in Kona a few years ago. I think you guys know who I'm talking about. Yeah, so I mean, Sanders is, is the kind of... His, his technique is horrible to look at, and but that doesn't mean that he cannot run fast. He can run fast. Sure, so. but that's is is it? You know, it's there's could he do better? Is a good question. Like, but also that's with him. If if you are working with him, he we don't know all the details of his history and you know what you know issues that he might have. So it's really to go, oh, that's bad. But actually, if you were to deconstruct that, mm-hmm. would he ever run as well as he does now again? Maybe not. At what point do you want to change that? Yeah. yeah. So I think it, it comes down, to, I guess initially it's, does someone have the conditioning to be able to not lose time, I guess? Because what you're talking about, sort of if you lo- use Lionel Sanders as an example, you know, what's the gain by deconstructing and reconstructing his running style and obviously the time cost to get there? Um and that is going to be different with every athlete that you work with. But then on the on the flip side of that, I guess, is the condition point, which is, is there a difference in how someone's running off the bike or straight up? Is there a, a loss there as a result of that? And I guess that's something which sometimes athletes um, look at incorrectly um, because they usually use the main race as a, kind of that goal and they say that's the race I want to do and everything gets into it if you look at it over a course of training sessions and racing and stuff like that you start bringing in that conditioning aspect of what Alan's talking about and how does how does the condition suggest you're going to run off the bike Um, and then you need to have a question around is there a sport so maybe with Lionel Sanders again we have no data on him apart from I I haven't looked at how he runs biomechanically in any great detail I'm sure there's people who Get offended by the way the way he runs, but if he's if he's able to sustain that form of running, not see any degradation towards the end, and therefore yes, the it, there may be inefficiencies there, but the inefficiencies aren't building through the session, the run, the race, whatever it is, then he's going to be faster than the person who's got perfect form but can only hold it for ten minutes, and then sort of drops off towards the end. So it, it's not just about having really good form; it's about having that form which is tested under duress essentially and sustained uh, and that drop-off is going to be critical to anyone's success in whatever distance that they're racing so the, the way you put that there is a good example of like it's the sum of the parts not how good an individual component is and i think a really important thought that comes from that is is like what are the majors and what are the minors so i think i think this is really sort of well understood May, well, maybe by us as a collective in terms of uh, coaches. Um, and there's a lot on swimming technique out there. But like, as I referred to Kevin's blog, again, like in terms of running is actually quite technical. I think there's a... So if we've got the good condition that we were talking about a minute ago, if, we, if we're taught, if, we're, if this conversation is about how do you run faster off the bike, I think one of the first questions is like, how do you actually run fast? What are the things that you should concentrate on that make you run fast? Because I, I, I know for a fact, and I know we've observed a lot of this over the years in terms of 
running analysis on camps and with coached athletes where athletes are definitely trying to run fast but via the the wrong thinking if that makes sense so they might be you know they might drive it could be that they're trying to reach really far forward in their stride that would, that would be a you know a very easy example so if that isn't it my question to you guys is what is it that they should focus on the run faster Oh, Diego, you can go first. There are so many things that you need to focus on. Um, the thing is, we can we cannot pick an individual and try to re recreate the perfect form for everyone. Um, I'm thinking about the camps and all the people that we see on the camps when we do the video analysis. We all we, we always show the the good example of a runner. But we know that it's impossible for some people to replicate what they see on the video. It's impossible. They don't have the structure. They don't have the body for that. Um, once again, picking up, picking up the example of Lionel Sanders, perhaps trying to change his technique would not be good for him. Um, he would be slower or even got injured um, if we try to do that. And I know that sometimes we try to do the same with the age groups, uh, athletes. Uh, we try to recreate the perfect form. And perhaps that's not going to be the best for them. So that's not going to make them run faster. It's going to make them perhaps have an injury or, or something that makes them go slower. Um, so I think we as coaches, we need to, to try to find the best form or the best workouts and the best examples or the best drills for that athlete specifically. Uh, because what's going to work for Alan is not going to work for me, for example, for you, Philip. So once again, going back to the beginning, understanding the person that you have in front of you is, is very important. And I think sure. that, that's a really important point there, Diego. And, and it, it has, so yes, you have to be athlete focused with what you're discussing. But for me, if I was looking at any athlete, whoever that was, my primary, the low hanging fruit, the, I guess the thing which Alan's trying to say, for me, the thing which is gonna limit them the most in terms of being able to run faster, and we all know this because uh, the stats are out there, that is not getting injured. So for me, the most important thing is identifying anything which is likely to pick up an injury. It may pick up an injury because of the way they're running now. Or if, as you're a coach, you look at it and say, well, in reality, they're able to go away with, let's just say, an hour of running a week, you know, three times 20 minute runs. If we try and increase this by that much more, biomechanically, somewhere within their system, they're going to break down because they're not able to withstand the load. It's not an effective way of doing it. So for me, that would be the kind of the, the first step is identifying where there's anything which is going to prevent them from doing running um, because if they can't run, they can't go faster. I mean, okay, maybe that's a bit unfair because you can do lots of strength and conditioning, conditioning and strength. And, you know, you can build up things and that's a big part of running and look at the track athletes, uh, you know, the, the pure runners, they spend time doing drills, doing strength and conditioning, conditioning and strength in order to get faster. So they are doing that out of the, the running environment, but in reality, for, especially for triathletes, um, who are kind of time crushed if you're not if, if you're if you've got something with what you're looking at which is going to make the likelihood of injury increased then that's where i start identifying it and the problem which i think you talked about just there is quite often you'll see uh, run workshops you'll see um, the new coach um, kind of who just got their coaching qualifications and they say here is the model runner this is what they do they have a knee here foot here and everything else and then, then try and fix the athlete based on those parameters 
as opposed to looking at what the athlete can do, identifying maybe why those things are moving around differently to what that model athlete looks like when a runner is and understanding where the potential hurdles will be down the road. Um, and then, so if you can if you can fix anything which is going to possibly break down the line, that would be the most important thing to, for anyone to look at because they can't do any real training, therefore the progression is going to be limited. So therefore you're going to reach the point where they're not going to improve much more. Um, and ultimately running, you mentioned, Diego, you mentioned it earlier, running takes you know, a year or seasons to build into it. It does take a long time to get faster. It's not something, uh, say like with swimming, where you can make a movement and suddenly, oh, wow, look, I just went from two minutes per hundred to one minute 45 just by making some changes. Yes, I need to change now kind of do it for longer but ultimately you know you can see that speed change quite quickly running doesn't really follow the same track so um yeah look, looking at those injury stuff and then it would be looking at things which we likely to see to slow people down and that's where the conditioning comes Alan said you know what what's the one thing that you could do you know be be strong enough to withstand your body's load which you're doing and do the sport that you're doing if you can can you actually sustain that load which uh 10k off the bike is going to be having done that off the bike if you can't then you need to get strong enough to be able to hold that uh, form in bike swim bike and run not just uh, the 45 to 50 minutes if you're a you know a moderately good uh, 10k runner that you can do for a 10k run it has to be for the, the two hours or so of racing you, you two are shocking this is worse than prime minister's questions ask a simple question and you'll give me a bit of an answer I get it. Strength and conditioning is important. My question is, what technical cues make a difference? So when I'm running, if I'm, if, you know, we're not thinking about let, trying to go through this in some sort of incremental order, you need to work out how to run. Yeah. You need to make sure you're in good condition to run, which is what you said there, Philip. You, you can do those two things. Check. So whatever level you're at, obviously, if, if you're if you're doing three 20 minute runs a week, that requires X condition to do it safely. If you're doing four hours of running a week, that condition is not the same because the load is bigger. So if you're if you're trying to drive a juggernaut over a wooden bridge, it doesn't work well. If you're driving it over the. Whatever, some other big bridge. Seven bridge. There we go. I thought of a bridge. If you're driving it over the seven bridge, you're fine. So we've kind of with those two presumptions there but now i'm in that safe space if i you can still cock it up which one my point was by trying to reach forward in your stride i'm going to make my stride longer because that's good so i'm going to reach forward so just because you've got that condition you can still mess it up so when i'm running what are the really simple things that i should should i like you know make my arms go really fast should i keep my head still what is it what are the what are the key basics that you need to get right technically god diego impress me oh come on there are a few ones that are always common to everyone it's running tall high knees land with your foot behind well underneath your hips um the arms driving um Yes, well, those are the most common ones that we always say to the athletes. Okay, so for like swimming, I would say make sure your body's in a streamlined flat line. Put your hand in, keep your head still and push your hand back really hard each time. Keep doing that, kick your legs a little bit and you'll go all right. <laughs> so stay still, stay streamlined, rotate a bit, push back hard. That's about as simple as I can get it. 
Can, can we get it that simple for running? I don't think lift, so. Lift leg, drop leg, drive, <laughs> yeah. drive yeah. elbow back and forwards. I mean, for, generally for me, the, the simple one, which I usually think about, or used to think about when I was getting tired and run in the last 10 minutes of a 20 minute run, um, I would be sat there and I, my, my only focus is just some, for me, it's always just been what my arm's doing because they kind of give a sign of what's happening elsewhere. But yeah, in terms of simplicity, lift leg, drop leg, lift leg, drop leg, lift other leg, drop oh, leg. Okay. So I, I kind of agree. I, I think it's like stand up because you need to maintain, we all understand that, you know, if you can maintain correct posture with movement, then the muscles will work in an optimal manner and that will be efficient. Technique is kind of moving your body. So the biomechanics in order to keep that function optimal. So when we run, you want to stand up, you want to lift, lift, you lift your leg up. I'm not sure about lift your knee up, but lift your leg up and then hit, hit the floor, not, not put your foot on the floor, hit the floor. And then you, you want to try and spin the earth backwards behind you. Because a lot of people just go. Heavy and it, and, and the, 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 the big brainwave with me with this, when I actually made this point to somebody, I was like, that's it. That's genius. Is if you're in the air, you know, like that, you know, like this guy in the air looks amazing, doesn't he? Or girl, whichever. Um, both feet off the floor. I had a mate doing triathlon. I had a thing on Facebook the other day, 14 years ago, I had a picture of him with a triathlon. He had a gammy knee from a rugby injury. Somebody went into his standing leg. So every time when, he was foot, when his foot was on the floor, he looked horrible running. Yeah. So all he ever wanted from a triathlon was a picture with both feet off the ground you, we, you know took years to get one but an ongoing joke anyway silly story but when he finally got that picture when he had both feet in the air how was he applying force to make himself go forward can you do it whilst you're in the air like so if we were all in the air somehow floating levitating how would we make ourselves move forward i was about to jump in there saying you can't have a there's, there's no force going in to make you go forwards when you're in the air well no because you're not in contact with anything so it's exactly. the kind of the difficult thing in space isn't it when you're floating in space i'm outside you know the space station oh look floating <laughs> i can't push off anything can i so i can't go anywhere and there's no gravity to help me out because I'm, I'm just going to float so if we you know in order to make ourselves go somewhere we have to have something to push off against so for me that was like Oh, right. So the bit when a foot is on the ground is really important when we're running. And for me, that kind of, I think that's, I don't, I, who talks about that in running magazines or wherever? I just don't hear it. Yeah, I mean, the foot, the foot strike itself is spoken about a lot, but actually that's mis misunderstood not often, isn't it? Because they start talking about, oh, you know, a four foot striking is faster, you know, Rear foot, heel striking is better, and that it doesn't make a difference. Maybe it does, but for the average, ninety-five percent of the runners, there's there's nothing to talk about. Yeah, let's just focus focus on what it is you're trying to do, and it's like the catch. That if you can get your foot strike, your catch in swimming to be strong and stable, doesn't really matter how you get there, as long as it's strong and stable, then you have a platform to apply force, mm -hmm. and then. Yeah. So that platform, I'll, set, I'll bounce back to you, Philip. That platform is this, yeah? 
So one of my favorite demos, sorry for the smelly shoe. Good job, it's not smell-o-vision. Um, so this thing is really important, which bit of this touches the floor, as you were saying. So this, 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 yeah. Right, lovely. The only problem with that is it's kind of like pulling up on pedals in that this thing is useless without this idiot in it. So looking at this in isolation without reference to this, referring to myself as an idiot, it's okay in my book, but it is just meaningless because you can't look at things in that kind of isolation without considering the global picture. It just doesn't work, especially when this is dumb and this is supposedly the thing that's operating it. So that's, that's kind of what I'm getting at as well and with this, this question to you guys is like, you know, how, what do we do to make ourselves go fast? You, you obviously got to hit the floor and you can apply force to it. But is, is it that simple? Can you just hit the floor and you, you'll magically go fast? Well, that's where the conditioning and the strength or strength and conditioning comes into it because you can hit the floor and people do quite hard and, and stabilise and then drive yourself or propel yourself forwards. Or you can't. Um, you don't stabilise and therefore your propulsion is both forward and lateral or torsional or, or however you look at it. And so... Or upwards um and sometimes backwards if you think about that going back to your original yeah. example of that person landing out in front of them so yeah that 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 um ability to hit the ground stabilize and then drive it backwards is i guess trying to simplify running what you're looking at now there is a component of that which is muscular so you propel and then the other part of that is the elastic recoil or elastic potential energy which you get uh, and that's why we talk about running taking a long time to build up to be really fast because you need to build up essentially that spring to to help the muscles so you drive into the ground and you get that bounce back up again um, and driving you forwards and that's the sort of spring part of it but to keep things simple yeah you drive into the ground stabilize catch if you're going to the swimming side of things and then push push the ground backwards and push the water backwards yeah so it's, it's kind of like the the it's managing the force but it's also the conservation of the momentum like it's real simple like gcse or you know whatever it is where you are you know in terms of the physics of what's going on like i like using the thought of running on a log because yeah. then then you kind of got to keep the log spinning underneath you and, it, and that's all about the equilibrium of the you know the situation on the log if you if you start to reach too far forward on the log or too far back on the log or you try too hard or things just get out of balance with you know in terms of rate length or just your balance on the log then it all kind of goes wrong but the 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 kind of conservation and momentum in the running is um is super important i like what you said on the uh, the athlete call the other day philip instead of of a, a, a ball rolling along or a square rolling along in terms of, or a, a or a soft squidgy ball like a what was it a juggling ball i think you said in terms of rolling along that the the you know the square ball is like doof, 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 and that that's a lot of force to manage whereas that that juggling ball or sack it rolls along but it's kind of just a bit flat and doesn't really roll very well so that's kind of that absorption of the force being you know the the, the energy is being lost from being absorbed and then you kind of got a marble that you roll along and it goes that's kind of what 
but I feel like that marble and the the running and the log kind of thing are similar. Yeah, no, they definitely are. And if you if you use the example of the marble and the the balls, the the advantage of that is if you roll a square ball, where's the contact point? Out in front. Out in front. Yeah. If you've got a squishy ball, think about a flat tire. Where's the contact point? Out in front. You know, each one of those there's a slowing down part of that running style so i mean bringing this back to how do you run fast off the bike you know the first thing we need to do is be able to run economically uh, and then also um i have an understanding of i guess what what our likely cues are going to be as we start uh, losing form and slowing slowing ourselves down through form-based um losses i guess so like obviously I think in that you need to approach this in kind of isolation, just the running fast bit. So we've got all this stuff right, your technique's good, your conditioning's good. So for me, like part of running fast is is actually running fast. We we speak about developing a gearbox with athletes, some people who are it, you know, you've got to take people out of their comfort zone. So, you know, if if you're trying to do standard distance 10k. I think, you know, sometimes with, with athletes who are trying to improve, doing a half marathon early early in the year, off-season, or, you know, is because is, is it takes them out of their comfort zone and challenges them. So I guess, like, in terms of going fast, the key thing for me is, is challenging an athlete's running. So, you know, is there anything else that you guys would say in terms of getting fast at, like, just running? You go. Yeah, the thing is... For you to go to run fast, you need to run fast, as Alan said. Um, doesn't matter what fast means to any to each one. Yeah. But you can only run faster if you go close or sometimes over your limits or your previous limits. Otherwise, you're not going to improve. Um, and this applies not only for the run, but also for the bike and also for the swim. If you keep yourself in your comfort zone all the time, you're not going to run faster. That's why sometimes you see a lot of guys that cannot perform as well on the races as they do on the workouts because they don't go over the limits and sometimes they just even do the same pace they do on the workouts so diego does that mean that um you in order to run fast you basically just need to either sound stupid run faster so if you're doing sort of repeats you go for sprints um or is it you just crack on and just do more running kind of what what's what's that look like in terms of running fast no there is you cannot go run, you cannot run fast all the time otherwise you're going to get yourself injured or too tired and you cannot even run but there is always um, a period of the season or or the schedule of your training where you need to run and to focus to run faster to run close to your limit your threshold sometimes over that um try to work anaerobically sometimes um so there is always a period of time where you just need to run at a comfortable pace so you can get your muscle um used to the run running phase but then some periods of the season you need to to suffer and you need to go uh, sometimes to the track doing some fat legs and doing some heel reps in order to to, to increase your your skill and run so but you cannot do that all the time Otherwise, your body is not going to be able to sustain that. So I guess then let's look at runners. What do runners do to get fast? Because they don't have swimming and cycling to necessarily enjoy or distract. So you know, what is it that runners do differently to triathletes? Because we all know, I guess, runners coming from a good running background, sort of they are 
they are faster. They've got obviously years in them. Is it just a years thing? Kind of, how does a good runner become a good runner? I'll jump. I'll jump. I think I think some of it is is the fact that they do running. There's a, I think there's a there's a there's a psychological element. So for me, like yeah, what Diego said there in terms of the types of sessions important, but I think also identifying as a runner and you know jump jumping into to running events. You know, I gave the example of the half marathon and just trying to build some confidence and identity in doing that that you can transfer back into the triathlon. I don't know if that's, you know, I don't know if that was you getting at with how do you, no, how, it's do, just how a, do fast a runners run fast, basically? Yeah, no, it's a general question. I think that um, that's a really, really important point, though, that um, triathletes, unless they've come to triathlon from running, having been injured, which is a very common pathway into triathlon, um, yeah. a lot of, or multi-sport anyway, uh, a lot of people will not identify as a runner but actually when you think about um a triathlete the number of hours of training they're doing is, is is probably higher than the average runner because they have the non-load bearing sports or swimming and cycling to be able to put in a lot of mileage but i think that ability to identify as a runner or challenge yourself as a runner uh, amongst runners is important you know you, most good triathlon swimmers put them in a pure swimming environment with the swimming club will struggle put the um you know put them in a in a good running environment they probably will not they won't be the fastest there but it's within the triathlon it's the fastest of the three sports together which is really important so yeah i mean it, it was just a general open question you know what what can what can triathletes do to get themselves faster and it's that you know running faster is clearly a part of it so what do runners do to run fast and um you know i think identifying as a runner is a good very important good starting point they go and join a running club because that's where the runners go as opposed to going to join a you know a cycling club or a triathlon club unless of course the cycling and triathlon club has those people who will help push them but i think it's worth like including the point that was made with the athlete q and a in terms of i think i can't quite remember the question philip but I can I can remember the answer, which is awkward. <laughs> I think it's sort of along lines of with you know within triathlon training because we've kind of spoken about uh, as we've not gone into the detail, which I don't think we can do because it's a very individual question. Obviously, with the conditioning, we said you know there's X amount of conditioning for X amount of running, and then that's different at different levels. I think what in terms of what you were saying, Diogo, with fartlek, hill reps, uh, intervals or track running or, or you know, uh, fast sets on the treadmill even, those are kind of the detail there is a very individual answer. And obviously that varies for different people as well. So, but there's, as a, as a triathlete now, almost with all of, the, all of their training, in terms of swim, bike and run, is it a case that you can just, with running, can you, in terms of your overall volume, can you just make running a, a much bigger proportion of your swim, bike, run training? Will that, will that make you better? Is that, you know, should you massively drop your swimming and your biking and just do loads of running? Is that, is that a good idea? But for me, having worked with, um, I guess, runners, you quite often want to go longer. So ultras and... Um, and that sort of thing and then also working with your kind of your athlete wanting to do Ironman I, I'm a real proponent of low volume run training 
a high frequency. Um, I think it, what you do every day, you get good at. So if you are doing going back to that 20 minute, um, a, a three times 20 minute runner a week, if that's where you're at at the moment, if you made that um, with a good warm up, and I'll touch on that in a bit more detail in a second, but if you put in a good warm up and then change that to six by 10 minutes and increase those across, so even though you're doing six by 15 maybe, and holding that for a couple of weeks and then building up, you're still doing six, you know, six by 10 and then uh, you know, you're still doing the same amount as three by 20, but you're doing it more frequently. So you're kind of building up the ability to, to do running quite frequently and that's going to that's going to make a difference so wherever you can do a little bit of running like that or high frequency of running um, that will help so three to six times a week is probably an extreme but if you're only running twice and one of those is your long run because you need a long run in there which means you are maybe doing one which is a bit more intervally um, can you split those up and make that three times because you'll probably see an improved running mechanics just by increasing your frequency and the second part of that which i said earlier was doing a really good warm-up um you know running is about conditioning we've we've touched on that a lot um and it's also about strength um and within that strength and conditioning block um you know things like running drills a lot of those are plyometric based um so bringing those within the starting part of your warm-up so you know do a good activation mobilization sort of period get everything warmed up ready to go do five minutes of running drills at the start of your session because that's going to reinforce good running mechanics. It's going to build up that plyometric and the power side of things. And it's going to also build up some of that elastic recoil energy, which we talked about earlier. And funny story, if you go to a running track or if you go to a club session running, you will see runners doing all those things all the time. Um, I was fortunate enough to sit around um, watching some of the young GB youth team a few years ago, the 100 and 200 meter runners. Yes, it's sprinting, so it's not endurance running. They were in the gym. They were doing the Still running. Yeah, exactly. Fast. <laughs> um, I very fast. But um, you know, they are running and they are doing gym work or plyometrics or drill stuff. They're really precise in what they're doing, and I don't see that precision with movement in any triathlon-based session. The, the awareness is is really, really, really impressive in those pure runners. But you're not seeing that coming across into into triathletes. So bring that precision into that warm up. And then go and do your run. And it's yeah. something where you think about swimming. How many times do you have a swim session, which is you know, warm up for three to 400 meters, do some drill, do this, then think about doing some build stuff. That doesn't really happen for most people's runs. They just go out for a run. So yeah, in terms of volume base, going back to Alan's question, think about frequency rather than smashing out more miles, make them quality. Because if you're tired, you're going to probably degrade your form. That warm-up point also goes back to earlier, what the point I was making about how many good lunges have we seen. And yeah. I think, so one of the things I've learned over the last few years from from working in a, a so private school, a fairly high performance junior environment with, with swimming and with triathlon and a little bit, you know, with modern pentathlon is, is, you know, I had the opportunity to ask some questions I've always wanted to ask of some very experienced coaches, which was nice for me. And I, I asked the question about well, why do why the swimmers swim so much? It was a really simple question, but to ask that to somebody who's very experienced, you get an interesting answer. And the answer with regards to swimming is, well, when, when we're, you know, throughout our day, we're always practicing moving um, on land, walking around, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So we're always to some degree practicing running. So 
but we never practice swimming. So it's easy for if you play football or tennis, whatever, you're always kind of practicing a little bit when you're standing up. But that's not the case for swimmers, hence why swimmers swim so frequently and so much. And I think there's a really good translation that with with running as well. And it, it kind of emphasizes your point and how and how uh, the frequency works for running as well. Because how many adults spend most of their day stood up, moving around on their feet? They don't. Most adults spend most of the day sat on the backside. And you can actually get... Um, I can't remember the it's, um, sedentary athletes, I think is the expression. So you can be really athletic and do loads of training, but actually spend most of your life sat on your bum. And obviously that's very true for cyclists because that's pretty much all they do. If you can't, what is it? If you can't, if you can't stand, sit or can't sit yeah, yeah. and lie down sort of thing. Why are you walking to the start? Uh, you could just ride your bike. You know, yeah, don't, don't, signing don't, on. Why, why are you walking over to sign on and stay on your bike? Don't get off it. Yeah. And then they get bone density problems, but you know, they, they win the Tour de France. So that's okay. Um, well, they don't, if they make it through stage three, don't, no spoilers, by the way. Um, the, um, and I think the same is said for running there. So if you sat down all day, that goes back to that condition point. And that's where doing some mobility work, doing some drills, like you were saying, Philip, can actually take you from that sitting around doing, you know, not doing nothing working. Um, it can make a really big difference in terms of how you then run. I'm aware of time a little bit. So I'm going to ask the question, which is, even if you're doing all of this correct and you're really fast at running in those running races, why might it be the case that you're running is still absolutely pants in a triathlon? Diogo. Can you repeat the question, please? Because I have a dog barking here. I cannot listen. No problem. So if, if, if you've done everything we've said so far, you are nailing it. In your local 5K, 10K, half marathon, you know, you're, you can beat the dog easy over all of these distances. Why is it that you might still run absolutely terribly in a triathlon run? I would say that most of the people don't do that after cycling. Yeah. So how many times you practice all this stuff after riding your bike and you have your legs quite tired? Yeah. I think that's a good thing to, to start with. As we said before, running without riding before is something. And once you run 10K after riding 90K, for example, it's something different. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you an easy, an easy one here. Just visualize me in a triathlon and think about why I might not be running. But that's fine. I was smashing your, your bike's um, leg, but, um, but yeah. We, what, that's usually one of the things I, I tend to, to advise the athletes I, I coach is to to do a lot of bricks and to, um, to practice all this kind of stuff that we spoke before after riding their bikes. Um, yeah, I remember when... Carry on, my bad. I was just saying that I remember when we, we start doing bricks, the first runs we do after the bike, they are horrible. Um, you're wobbling all the, all the time. You don't feel your legs, you don't feel your body. It's, completely, it's a completely different movement. Um, but with time, then it starts to be more natural. But, um, what were you saying? 
why win. else why else might I might I keep saying I why might why else might it go wrong for that? So I think for the me when I'm looking at an athlete's uh, splits, it, the run is the icing on the cake. If you've got everything else right, you're gonna see a good run. If you like poor poor baking, is that what you're saying? Pretty much, yeah. So if you if you've <laughs> yeah, you don't know you for example, you don't know if you've missed out on an ingredient until you've put it into the oven. And by that point, it's too late with that cake. Um, and I have a lot of experience of the cakes not being right. So uh <laughs> no souffle rise. Uh, no, exactly. So yeah, exactly. I mean, putting together a really good triathlon, there's a lot of different things going together. And you know, you speak to or hear uh, interviews with the elite athletes, the top athletes, and everyone else. They all say, "Oh, I know, I've made some mistakes here, 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 and I could have gone faster." But to have a good run, you you need to be getting everything else in place to facilitate a good run. Um, and so I look back at even simple things like training have you actually trained enough to do a good run i remember looking across a an athlete's training they were saying you know this is the time i'm wanting to do um for my ironman race that they were doing um these are the power numbers i plan to do off the bike and i had a look at their training and they i think they just put some numbers on it they were saying i want to hold 200 and something what 210 watts on the bike for the for the bike leg and then i'm going to do this marathon time and i had a look over the training schedule and they'd never held 210 watts on the bike for more than, I think, two and a half, three hours. And then they were expecting to go and do a marathon time, which for them was actually going to be a very good, well, not necessarily a PB, but you know, comfortable, let's just say 3.30. Um, and I was like, well, you've not trained to facilitate that performance. So how, how are you expecting that to happen? So I think some of it can be expectation management, but that comes in through training. So you need to train for what you're trying to do. Um, then you've got your nutrition coming into it, the pacing strategy coming into it. You've got um, the the tactical decision making that you you decide to take when you're going through race day. Um, all those little little decision points across the way to lead to the start of the run before you get anywhere near running the fastest time that you can do. And it's all down to the preparation, everything being preparing uh, that run leg. A lot of it comes into it. So often the cause of running well off the bike, it has nothing to do with running, Alan, as you say, where you could be a fantastic 5K runner. It's just you're not delivering on that. It doesn't mean you need to go back and do faster running. It actually means you need to go look at how you're going to set yourself up to do really fast running. People you know, look at the um, look at good runners in a, in a track race or a marathon, a 10K track or marathon. You know, they're, they're not looking to be able to run really really well in the first 13 miles in the marathon it's about running really really well in the last 13 miles anyone in that level can run well for 13 miles um, and i think that sort of comes through how can you set yourself up to have the fastest second half the fastest part of the the, the triathlon event yeah so like really you give the example there with a long distance athlete but it really just bakes down to training at race load so even if it's sprint distance or standard distance if you've not done a lot of training so in terms of the bike leg for an Ironman it would be sort of 250 to 300 TSS in you know an aerobic effort that constitutes that over the distance whatever or just the time in the saddle for you know that load but then the shorter distances it's also it is the it's the the volume of aerobic load over the longer distance whereas 
over the shorter distance is the volume of the intensity that is the is the the race load so obviously if you're doing standard distance you know it's it, it, it's kind of this uh, a lot of people would go out and do 25 mile time trials as part of their preparation I think oh you yeah, know everybody kind of does that that's a good thing but there's a reason why it's good and it's because it's very specifically just a few percent above what you would do on race day so it's highly specific to what you're trying to do over standard distance and if your coach is smart enough to set you a little run off the bike you then in terms of what diogo was saying with brick runs you then start to get that really specific tuning so that's kind of like one half of it the conditioning but you can still you can do all of those things right and you can still get it wrong in my but because you potentially you you know you need to get out of the swim and you need to you need to get to the end of the bike for whatever distance so you've got to be able to swim and bike before you even think about trying to run fast and then going back to what we were saying about condition if you're done in your swim and your bike training we, we said this thing about condition a few times it's the condition that you're in in t2 so what you were saying there whatever the distance you know long distance there for a piece if you get if you forget to eat and drink all the way around well the tank's going to be rather empty in T2. So although you ran a two hour 30 marathon early on in your preparation and you're an absolute, you know, legend of a runner, you ain't going anywhere with an empty tank. It's like parking a Formula One car up in T2 with no fuel in it. Ain't going anywhere. You know, the same could be said in terms of your pacing strategy. So it, it and, and that's where I think kind of this conversation goes full circle, because actually it's not about your run split to some degree. It's about the overall split. And that's the real tricky thing. So going to what you were saying about elite athletes, Philip, it, it doesn't matter who you are. You, how many times have you guys personally or from a coaching point of view had an athlete turn around and gone, I absolutely nailed the whole lot of it. It's perfect every single aspect of it was completely in balance or optimized and i squeezed 100 percent of the juice out of that race i'm pleased to say none because i think if i managed to do that then i've maybe, yeah, there's retire. nowhere else to go so <laughs> um never happened yeah. <laughs> that's why i stopped racing alan obviously <laughs> oh yeah nailed that race and yeah, definitely not <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Yeah, the, um so i think that's that's the thing but there's a there's a really simple reason for that is because it's such a dynamic sport because we it's not like you're trying to balance a seesaw one you know like that that's hard enough isn't it we've got another third bit to the seesaw to try and balance and then there's the weather conditions there's all of the distraction of everything around us because you know as much as we tell athletes coaching them to concentrate on your own race strategy especially as age groupers and do your own thing other athletes whatever you do do have an influence on your race they're going to bump into you on the swim that's going to happen where they go on the swim is going to have an influence who's around you on the bike you know if you're following people legally drafting them that's going to make a difference and then even also drafting on the run the conditions the shade people getting in your way etc you know it, it goes back to what Diego said as well you know you can dial up and um, if you give yourself the best swim the best bike and the best run for each of those individuals that's probably uh, one of those is going to impact the other one negatively I mean yeah, you yeah. could get yourself as slippery as you possibly can on the bike but if you can't then run off the bike then it's not a good bike position for a triathlon so yeah I mean there is the famous old uh, triathlon phrase you know biking for show and running for dough and it, that is 
to bring our baking thing back in <laughs> baking metaphor you know that is really important you if you you've got to remember that a triathlon is three sports a duathlon is two sports three legs um you know you you're going to have to consider what happens prior to um each part of them to to ensure you run well and that point alan which you made around if you can't swim properly then take that from a little bit more of a kind of bigger thought if you can't swim so that's your big concern you're going to spend way more energy in that swim than you need to so you're never going to be able to put in a really good run so you know to run well off the bike might actually mean you need to go and focus on swimming well because that's going to have the biggest impact to your running off the bike performance so it's not a single answer for one individual it's there's a lot of different um thoughts around that yeah it's just like the condition that you get to see doing obviously if you find it easier to get through the swim you know if you're taking two hours to do an ironman swim versus an hour it doesn't matter that like one's harder than the other. Well, and the person who's doing hours going, well, I'm trying, I'm going harder and do it. Or the two hour person's going, well, I'm going longer. It doesn't matter. The person who's doing two hours is still out there for longer. It, yeah. it, it, so they're going to be used they, even in terms of exposure to the elements or, and obviously for a long distance race, just being plain tired. I mean, who stays up for 16 hours every day? Nobody. Yeah, yeah, no, but say, think about those people coming in the 17 hours, it's sort of brutal. Yeah. yeah so, I, think... I, so I was going to say, Diego, um, how, how would you summarize then this sort of how do you run faster off the bike? Have we summarized things up then? How would you summarize it? I would say that um, going to the beginning, understand what, um, in what step you are, first of all. As Alan said, how is your swim, how is your bike, and then how is your run? Um, practice your run try to do the strength and conditioning as much as possible try to analyze your running form your running technique and to see if there's anything there that can make you injured um if, if so then try to correct it as much as possible be patient because this is not something that is going to happen from one day to the other uh, it's going to take some time um and this is something that actually the age group athletes are not very good at they are not very patient they want the results for for tomorrow and um and then race practice try to do uh, on the workouts things close to what we're going to do on the race day talk to your coach try to understand what is what is their vision about their own um performance on the run bike and swim and um once again be patient okay thank you and alan what would you say would be the top tips to someone looking to try and improve their run time off the bike some kind of good takeaways, quick kind of quick nuggets. Are you still on mute? Or have we lost you? Sorry, I, I hit the hot corner and everything went everywhere. <laughs> uh, what would I say? Um, I I I'd say look after everything beforehand. You know, really make sure that you know you you're you're confident in swimming and your biking i think bike fit is a big big part of it, it it's, it's all well and good working on your running but if you can't get to t2 in a good condition then i think that you know because ultimately in any triathlon you can always you can always walk to the end you know plenty of professional triathletes plenty of age groupers alike have, have walked it in and got it done so i think making sure that you get to t2 in a good condition for me is 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 super important and then 
And then the second part of it is trying to develop that mindset of a runner. And then, you know, if you really got those two things, you can hit T2 really confident and then obviously go off really hard and mess it all up with poor pacing on the run. <laughs> At least then it's a running-based conversation. You've done everything. You yeah, can. exactly. But if you've, if you've done that, then that's a simple change. Just try a bit of a negative split approach and you'll, you'll, you'll be golden. Excellent. Well, I think that's, uh, that's it from us today. Thank you very much, Diego and Alan for joining myself on the couch, so to speak, uh, for this evening's um, conversation around running faster off the bike. Uh, I'm not too sure what's on next time, but I look forward to the, the dialogue and the conversation again, uh, looking forward. So thank you both very much. Appreciate your time. Thank you. You're welcome. The Believe Strive Achieve podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment and show notes are found at trytrainingharder.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Try Training Harder. Thanks for listening.